Jade asked me to speak, so uh, I am going to speak this evening. Um, and I obviously never take that uh, moment or take that chance uh, for granted. Um, so I'm very thankful for the opportunity, um, and I appreciate the opportunity to speak. So as I'm getting ready, uh, you guys can go ahead. We are going to, I am going to be speaking from uh, Daniel, Daniel 3 and 16 through 28. Um, if you guys know anything about that uh, passage of scripture, it's, it's a very heated scripture. So once you guys get there, um, if you want to stand, um, that would be perfect. So I know everyone gets there. Um, so yeah, I'll start there. I brought both Bibles tonight, one that my dad actually got me for Christmas and then uh, my other one as well. So I got two of them open, so I am going to overload you probably with a lot of the word, but um, the word is good. So, all right. So Daniel three sixteen and 28, the Bible reads, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto, thy, unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hadst set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his vicious, maybe I said that word right, uh, was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that the, they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it won't be heated. And he commanded the, the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their hosens and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was Urgent, the fire or the furnace exceeding hot, and the flames of the fire slew the men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar and the king was astonished, uh, and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? And answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. Lord, we just come before you today, and we just thank you for this word that you have given us, Lord, and we just hope that it will uh, be spoke just as well as you've given it to me, Lord, and just help me, um, help them see you and me. In Jesus' name, amen. You all may be seated. So, Jade asked me to speak, and of course, um, I've had a, a little bit of warning this time, which I'm grateful for, um, but when I was planning, I really had nothing to go off of. Um, I had a message that I, I thought I was going to speak, and then it came to time to, to really prepare for it, and I didn't feel anything. So a um, lot of long nights sitting up and, and really uh, seeking the Lord to, to see what he wanted me to speak um, tonight. And I settled on this. Well, didn't settle, but uh, God kind of placed this into my heart, and I feel like it's, it's a perfect message uh, for the time that we're, uh, we're in right now. So 
Um, of course, uh, you guys have a history teacher um, preaching tonight, so um, I'm sorry, but you are probably going to hear a lot of big words. I'll explain them, but don't worry. Um, but of course, when it comes to this passage of scripture that I just read in Daniel 3, I wanted to know the background of everything. That's just how I am as a person. I want to know why things happen, why this is set up. So I went back and I started reading just the first chapter of Daniel and in, in Daniel 1. And looking back at this whole situation, even past that, into my historical knowledge. And I wanted to look at Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it's just a fun word to say as well. Nebuchadnezzar is a cool name. Um, so I wanted to look at Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, he's the king at this point, um, which it does say in this word that we just read. But Nebuchadnezzar is the king at this point. Um, historically, he's a good king. He conquered a lot of land. He grew the um, kingdom of uh, uh, what's it? Babylon, that's the word, yep. He grew the king of Babylon, or the kingdom of Babylon, all the way across um, many nations uh, that we know of in the Middle Eastern area there. So he was a great king, uh, which led to the growth of his empire. And what happens here in the first chapter of, of Daniel here, we see that um, Nebuchadnezzar actually takes control of Jerusalem. He ends up going over and conquering the land and taking control of Jerusalem. And of course, that is where Daniel, hence the name of uh, the chapter here, or the, uh, the section that we're reading, Daniel. Um, Daniel lives there, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego live there as well. Um, all of these were young Israelites that were living in this area of Jerusalem. And once it was captured by Nebuchadnezzar, we see that the king tries to change some things. He, um, of course, tries to change um, a lot of things with how they operate their lives and other things like that. That's just how it is when a new regime comes in. Uh, we see that happen every four or so years when a president steps in. We see some regime changes and other things like that. So we see here, if we go to Daniel, I'm going to read uh, real quick, Daniel 1 and 4, we see that um, Nebuchadnezzar does something significant to these guys. Um, what he does and what he calls for, actually we'll go back to one and three here. What he calls for is, he says, the Bible says, the king then ordered Ashpenaz, uh, the king of his uh, court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. I want to pause here for a second after looking at that. We see that Nebuchadnezzar took these men and took uh, Daniel and took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and took them under his wing and tried to teach them something. So if we look here um, and read continuing on and hop down to uh, Verse 6 here, it says, Among those who were chosen were some of them from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. And you may be wondering who Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah are. Well, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Something that Nebuchadnezzar does. Like I said earlier, he was a smart king. He changes their names. It says in, in verse 7, if we continue reading, he says, The chief official gave them new names. Daniel, the name of Belthazar. And to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now you may be wondering, why did he change their names? Well, they were Hebrew boys. Nebuchadnezzar was not a Hebrew. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon. What he does is he strips them from their Hebrew background. If you look at their names, Hananiah, Azariah, and uh, Mishael, all of their names 
have something to do with faith. What he is stripping them is he is trying to strip, strip them from their faith and connect them to something that is not them. He's trying to change their name and change their identity to something that he can control. Because he knows if he lets God run rampant in his kingdom, his kingdom's going to fall. So he changes their name and changes their whole identity, or at least tries to. If we look at that again, we see that there are many rulers over history that do this. Have you guys ever heard of the name of Hitler? Have you guys ever heard of Stalin? Have you ever heard of Mao? All dictators who tried to really take over the world at one point, and they all did this to generations. What they did was they took these generations and they tried to teach them, change their name, and change who they were to control them, and to control them and to have them blindly follow them into whatever they were trying to do. And so that's exactly what Nebuchadnezzar is trying to do to these men, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to Daniel as well. We see as well, though, something I'm going to probably spend a little bit of time on is the part here where it says in verse 4, it says he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. If we look at this, what he's going to do is he's going to regulate their education. And if you know anything, I am a teacher. I teach over here at the high school. So what he's going to do is he's going to teach, try to teach young children and raise them up in the things that he believes. So he is going to try to change their entire way of thinking by changing their path of education. So he's going to go through and change how they operate their daily lives. He's also going to feed them. If you continue reading in verse 5 here, it says the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table that they were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. So what is happening here is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel are all going to be taught and fed by the king to believe what Nebuchadnezzar wants them to believe. He's going to try to trick and implement evil things into their life so eventually by the time they become older they think that that is normal so he's going to completely do that and guess what church that's happening today in our society we see that an entire generation is being taught and being tricked into believing that some things are okay we see that an entire generation is being told that it's okay to not know who you are if we go back to Jade's message on Sunday it's okay to be confused on things it's okay to be, you know, whatever you want to be. It's okay to, to feel this way. It's okay to like the same gender. It's okay to do things like that. It's okay to go out to parties. It's okay to listen to this music. It's okay to drink this. It's okay to dabble in these things because it's what we were taught. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And we hear that every single day going throughout our entire lives. I mean, we all probably spend way too much time on TikTok. Me and my wife had a, had a conversation about that. And that is one of the most evil things ever because you will sit there for hours scrolling through it and not realize you're scrolling through it for hours. And all it is, is it's doing the exact same thing Nebuchadnezzar was trying to do to an entire generation and regulating their education and feeding them nothing but evil wickedness. And so if we continue here, parents, I'm going to come at you just for a second. I promise I'm not going to be too harsh, but I do teach your kids. So that's, um, it's your fault anyway. So um, with this, we do see that we need to make sure church, first and foremost, we are educating our kids right. We need to make sure that we are educating our kids where to find the answer. And if anyone knows where to find the answer, if not, um, there's these things called the Bible. 
And this is where you'll find the answer. And that is the answer to life. My dad used to say growing up that that is a roadmap how to get to heaven. That's a roadmap of your life. That is what we need to be teaching our children. We don't need to be teaching our children to lean on the system, which is what schools are trying to do now. We don't need to teach them to do that. We need to teach them to find the truth, and the truth is in the Word. If we do not teach this generation that where to find the truth, we're going to have a blind generation, and a generation exactly what Nebuchadnezzar wanted, a generation that is going to be following evil, and a generation that is going to be blind going throughout their daily lives. And so church, we need to be backing this generation. It is very hard. Trust me, I work in a school. It's very hard out there. It is very hard. I see it every single day on kids' face. They're searching for something in the schoolhouse. They are searching for something every day. And if we don't show them what the answer is and where to find the answer, they're going to be lost. This world every day is calling and telling them that it is okay to believe these things. It is okay to continue to march on through life and just accept all of the wickedness that is around you. It is not okay. We see, church, that we need to educate our young ones and continue to push them, especially in these altars. I know I've seen service after service where young ones are coming to the altars, but parents, we need to back these kids in the altars. We need to come and push them towards the cross, because if we are not pushing them to the cross, guess what the world is doing? It's pushing them to darkness. We need to continue to push these young ones to the altars and back them in everything they do, trying to step out and everything that they are going to do. And so that's why I'm thankful for Jade as our youth pastor, because he continually pushes us, even though sometimes it gets us out of our comfort zone, but pushes us to continue to seek the things of God. So if we continue forward here, I know I probably spent too much time on the background, but if we continue forward here, we see that these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, all continually throughout to Daniel until we get to chapter 3, we see that they slowly but surely... Um, Nebuchadnezzar kind of draws a liking to them. Daniel, um, throughout chapter 2 and throughout um, the beginning of chapter 3, we see that he starts to interpret dreams for Nebuchadnezzar. And he starts becoming someone that Nebuchadnezzar is going to have as kind of an advisor, someone that's going to help him out, especially Daniel. So when it comes to this, though, we do see Nebuchadnezzar, or not Nebuchadnezzar, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, continually uh, help Daniel as well. But we do see, continuing forward, that these men have had their names changed. They've been taught their entire lives, well, at least for the last three years, as the Bible says. Um, we see that they're taught for the last three years and fed for the last three years to believe that these things are okay and, and to slowly believe that these things are normal when they are not. And we see that all of this happens until they meet an impasse, which is the section that I read today. Um, about that impasse. We see that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stand. If I could title this thing, I'm going to title it Stand, because that's exactly what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. We see that they stand, but I also want to point out they weren't the only ones that were called there. They weren't the only ones that were called there. We see that Nebuchadnezzar called earlier, if you read in chapter 3, we see that he calls all of the people that he's been basically training for the last few years. And it's not just Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a lot. It's a multitude of, of people that were young, that were Hebrew, that were trained 
in what the word was and knew what the word was. But we see that Nebuchadnezzar taught them and fed them for three years and only three stood. Only Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood for the truth. And church, if you don't believe that there's wickedness and evil in the world that is prying at these children, there is, because it worked. It worked for Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar slowly pried these people into believing that it was okay. It was okay to take one drink. It's okay to listen to one song. It was okay to, you know, go to one party. One party's not going to define who you are. It was okay to, you know, go to that person's house at, at night and, you know, sneak out of the house and disobey my parents. It's okay to take that step to the right. It's okay, you know, one day you can, you can take an off day. It's okay, you can take an off day. They were taught that. And slowly but surely, one off day comes into two off days. And then two off days goes into three. And then, then it's a month before you've even read your Bible. Then it's two months before you've read your Bible. Then it's about a year until you've read your Bible. And then you don't even know what an inside of a church house looks like. So we see that Nebuchadnezzar slowly pried these children into believing that it was okay. So much so that he comes up and says, hey, I made this golden statue. I want you to worship it as soon as the music comes on. And every single one of them but three fall. Every single one of them but three, three kneel at this golden statue. All but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We see that the majority of them knew the word. They knew what God was calling them to do, but they ignored it. They took off days and they slowly started to believe what Nebuchadnezzar was pouring into their lives and they fell. We see that there's an entire generation that, like I said, is being pried open to this wickedness every single day. And trust me, I see it in the hallways. It's every single day that there is something prying at our children, prying at this generation into darkness and leading these into false teachings and confusion. If we don't stand in church, we're not going to stand outside of church. We need to be in the church house and continually stand and read the word and continue to pour into our lives. We see that Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they stood for what was right. They understood the word and they stood for their beliefs, even though they were they. Nebuchadnezzar tried to strip them of who they were by changing their name, going through this whole process. They still stood. They understood what the word meant. And they understood, even though if they do stand, Nebuchadnezzar is going to kill them. If we look at our reading, Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't stand, you're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You're going to die if you don't stand. Here in America, we have it pretty easy. We get to come to church. Churches everywhere. I mean, look at Connersville. There's like 17 on a block. There are churches everywhere. In America, we have the joy of coming to church whenever we want. Doors are open. We can come whenever. Now, in Armenia, other places where pastors are at right now, people are being treated the exact same way as Nebuchadnezzar's treating Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. People are being either given the option to denounce God or to die. Those are the two options you see out there. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. But we sit here and we take advantage of that. We sit here and we take advantage of the fact that we can come and go and, and be wishy-washy when it comes to church. But there are people that are out there dying for their faith. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that. And they were willing to die for their faith. And so we see, again, 
the Bible continually says over and over again, choose this day whom you will serve. And I know me as a teacher, I have to go in every single day and face 150 students every single day. And I know if I take one off day, all of them will know. If I come in and something's messed up in my life or something's going on, and I come in and I'm kind of downtrodden, every single kid that I have, especially the freshmen, oh man, the freshmen, they will ask me, hey, Mr. Rao, you all right? You all right? You seem down. You, you seem down. They understand, and it makes me even more realize that this message, even if it's not for you guys, it's definitely for me, because I can't take an off day. The Bible says, choose this day whom you will serve. If you wake up, you have to make a constant, every day you wake up, you have to make a conscious decision to serve the Lord. And if I take one off day, I have 150 eyes, well, actually double that, 150 eyes looking at me every single day, looking at what I'm going to say, looking at how I'm conducting my life. And what I want them to see is God. I want them to see Jesus through me because I will probably, in some of the cases, will be one of the only positive influences they have. So, church, you have a lot of eyes, especially you parents. Like I said earlier, I was taking it easy on you a little bit. But parents, you have your kids looking at you every single day. If you take one off day as a parent, your kids are going to notice that. And then they are going to think that it is okay. I mean, I can take a day off. And, you, you know, my dad took a few days off back in the day, so I can take a few days off. They will see that and they will understand that and then it will slowly pry them open like Nebuchadnezzar did to these men. So, church, I'm going to leave you with this. Even if you are the only person standing, make sure you are standing. Don't fall. Make sure you are standing. I don't care if you look weird doing it, but make sure you are standing. Because trust me, plenty of kids tell me every day, Mr. Al, you're kind of weird. And I'm glad that they think I'm weird because if they thought I was normal, something's wrong with them. But on top of that, though, I want them to see God through me. And I hope that weirdness hopefully isn't just me being weird in myself, but I hope that that's Jesus speaking to them through me. Amen. Just give him another hand tonight. Amen. You see, I'll, we'll let your uh, m your uh, math mess up there on the eyes pass because you're a history teacher. No, but what he's saying is, is it matters. It matters. And and we talked a little bit about it Sunday, but I, I want to reiterate the fact. This is this is you. Know, he's talking about how your 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 children are watching you. This is how much they're watching you. They watch how you worship, how you respond to preaching. If you got your phone out, guess what? When they're teenagers one day, or if they're teenagers now, they're going to have their phone out. They're watching how you react to adversity. They're watching how you interact with your husband or your wife. And, and, and I was telling, uh, I think I was telling even Maddie before the services, we have to realize that we're not raising kids to grow up and be kids, but we're raising them to be on their own one day. It's kind of scary to think about. I got my two little girls, and I just can't imagine them being on their own. 
But I have, I have the responsibility to raise them, as Brother Cameron was saying, to stand when everybody else has been indoctrinated. I have to raise my children to be godly in an ungodly world. I have to teach my daughters that when you see everybody else just going with the flow of this life, that you have to resist that flow. It's a difficult task, but I want to point something out that Brother Cameron kind of alluded to is the fact that Daniel was a mentor to these young men. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were together. And if you read the chapter previous in chapter 2, I believe that they were there when they saw God move upon Daniel and he began to interpret dreams and began to minister. He just ministered God to a pagan king. So much so that the king fell on his knees and he began to worship their God. Obviously, he didn't stay worshiping their God, but they saw him minister, bring peace to a troubled situation. The king was having dreams. He was disturbed, and he said, what does this have to do with anything? Here's what, I want, here's, here's what the Lord just, just kind of rolled over in my mind, is when you read this, this passage, these passages of Scripture, what you notice is at the end of Daniel chapter 2, Daniel gets a promotion. And he sat at the king's gate. A lot of people want to know where, where was Daniel when all this was going on. He was at the king's gate. He was at his post. It was a great honor to be at the king's gate. And here, here's what the Lord just began to roll over in me is that was their father figure. That was someone they could look up to. But he wasn't there. When they needed someone to look up to. You say, oh, that, that sounds awful. No, no. What he had deposited in them, when the trials of life came at those young men, they said, you know what? We're going to stand with boldness like Daniel stood before the king and had, had the audacity to tell the king what the Lord God was saying. So when I ask us tonight as parents and as, as future parents for some of these young adults that are married now, I want to ask you something. Are you willing to raise your children in a manner that when you're not there and adversity comes and this enemy tries to overtake them and this world tries to indoctrinate them, that they'll stand on their own and say, so, you know what, my, my dad may not be here, my mother may not be here, but listen, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they never mentioned Daniel. When they were questioned, they said, listen, I cannot turn my back on my God. You know, I love my, I love my mother, I, I love my father, but I want you to hear me tonight. I talk about them a lot. I, I thank God for how they raised me. But I, I, I want you to hear this. When I go through the trials of life, I don't say, Mom, come help me. I don't say, Dad, come help me. I cry out to Jesus. 
Here's what the Bible says as you stand across the house tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, that there is no foundation that can be laid than that which was laid by Christ Jesus. When our children can stand on Jesus, listen, parents, you don't have to worry about them. I'll tell you one last thing, and we're just going to pray together. I remember coming into high school. Coming into high school, you know, see, see high school's reality like check and like culture shock because, you know, seventh grade, you were nothing. Eighth grade, you, you like ran the school, okay? And then you get into your freshman year of high school and you ain't nothing again. You know, and, and, we, and I played football and all the freshmen, you know, they did all these things to embarrass us. This was before hazing was a thing. It didn't help that on the football team we had like nine, ten sets of brothers on the team. All of them were seniors. My brother was a senior. We are all, we all freshmen. We got picked on all the time. It was just part of it. But I remember something that my mother said to me one time. And she said, Jade, I want to tell you something. I'm your mother. I love you. Your father, he loves you. But we can't go to school with you. And we can't go to football practice with you. And we can't go to baseball practice with you. And we can't go hang out with your friends with you all the time. That, this, is, this is a new stage in life. And I'll never forget what she told me, Brother Ethan. This is what she said. She said, I have raised you right. And when temptation comes your way, honey, I, I, I know that you're not perfect, but I've raised you right. And when temptation comes your way, I pray that you're able to stand. That's what she told me. She said, I can't be, I can't, I, I ain't going to be there all the time. And I never realized how much and how profound that statement was. Is What she was saying is, I put the word of God in you. And when I'm not there, are you going to be able to stand? Parents, let us train a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. We talked about it Sunday. I really believe that Brother Cameron just confirmed what the Lord was saying on Sunday. Is we have to stand up. We've got to be the change. We've got to be the change that this world needs to see. So if you would just at your seats tonight, if you would just lift your heart with your hands across this house. And God, I want to pray. I want to pray right now with these people of God. I want to pray, Lord Jesus. I, 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 I want to come before you tonight and say, Jesus, give us the boldness that the apostles had to, to stand on the day of Pentecost and preach your word, the boldness they had to walk into the temple in Acts chapter 3 and lay hands on the lame man and see him walk. Lord God, I want the boldness, Lord Jesus, of the early church uh, on this church, Father. 
Lord God, let us not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Let us not be ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Let us not be ashamed of who we are. Lord, as Brother Cameron spoke about tonight, these boys were Hebrews. They were children of the Most High God. And this culture, the culture that they were in, tried to indoctrinate them. uh, But they stood when nobody else stood. Let that be us. Lord, and not only us, let that be our children. Let that be our children's children. Lord God, let us be a people that will say, you know, God, I I feel weak in this moment. I, I, I know that I'm going against the flow of this world, but Lord, let us be people that will stand anyway and believe that your strength will be made perfect in our weakness. Let us trust you with our whole heart and our whole mind. And let us stand not only to honor you, but Lord, let us stand as a contradiction to what this society tries to project on our children. And let us stand as parents united saying, listen, you're not, you're not pushing that garbage on my children. You're not pushing that garbage into my home. Because in this house, as Joshua said, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, let that be this congregation. Let that be this house. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Brother Cameron, you did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Give him another hand tonight. The truth of God's word. The truth of the truth of God's word. Amen. Hey everyone, it's Pastor Jay Abrams here. I want to thank you for watching today. Please feel free to like and subscribe or find us on our other social media platforms. And we pray God's blessings your way. You have a great day. We'll see you next time.